Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Hey, Real Water Sports. This is the website where you go for all your surfing needs. Surfboards, fins, leashes, board bags, gear that's required for the hardcore surf enthusiasts such as you and I and our listeners, David. Real Water Sports and our good friend Trip and his crew there. No ma- they're located in North Carolina, but no matter where you are in the world, they can ship you surfboards and they've cracked the code. Flat rate shipping, uh, it's guaranteed to arrive blemish free. So that's more than you could say if you buy sometimes at a local retailer. You could walk out the door, drop your board in the parking lot, boom, you didn't even get it home. <laughs> this arrives at your door blemish free and um, there's shipping boards everywhere. They told me a story about shipping to Indonesia on a boat trip where somebody broke all their boards, they just shipped them in the middle of the trip. Um, so there's no concern about that anymore. And you mentioned fins. They also carry one of our sponsors fins, which is NVS. So check those out. I just did an interview podcast with your buddy, Stu Kenson. I know he has a line of fins with NVS. Um, so yeah. surfnvs.com or of course, realwatersports.com. Yeah. And, um, I get people all the time, by the way, real water sports. The other cool thing is that they have such an incredible selection of stuff. Like they carry the prime of the prime. Totally. And uh, what, what I was going to say is I have guys all the time. Cause I ride those sea drive fins and they're a little, they're interesting looking. Right. So people see me in the water and they're like, Oh, what are these fins? You know? And um, I have people inquiring all the time about, you know, the NVS fins and how much I like them and so forth and so on. So, uh, Shout out to those guys. A big no. fan of them providing me with equipment that gets this old body up and going, you know? Moment of truth. Yes. Do you like when people come up to you on the beach and talk to you about any of your things? Or do you hope that they're just looking past you at somebody else and they're going to go that way instead? <laughs> I don't mind. I like talking to people. People are wonderful, generally speaking. Uh, nine out of 10 people are very good we have good folks out there that uh, and i like talking to people you know when i was writing i had a batch of asymmetrical boards for a year or two um one from album one from donald brink a couple of others and i'd always be apprehensive to take them out of my car at the beach because i knew there'd be a conversation in between the car and the water somebody would just start up a conversation i'm like i just want to go surfing leave me alone (laughs) anti-social especially in the morning well, the funny, the interesting thing is, is that, um, you know, in a weird way, I guess you and I are experts. I mean, I know that I'm an, I'm sort of an expert in surfboards. It's my life, but 
my general conversation with people is, you know what, you might not like it. You might love it. That's the thing about surfboards and surf gear is that it's just, it's such a personal thing and totally. boards that I like, you won't like and boards that you hate, I will love and fins and so forth and wax. And it's just very, very, it's, you, you got to go out and try it all out and see what you like, you know, makes sense to you. Imagine, look at the difference between what Gabriel Medina is riding and what John John's riding. You know, two world champ surfers, modern era, both thrusters, and they're completely different surfboards. Yeah. So, so I think that's a good example, but realwatersports.com and surfnvs.com. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, guy. Classic Scott. As a person with a hyphenated last name, I'd have you know that most of Latin America and the Latin world has hyphenated last names. So deal with it. One day, Scott, one day you'll you'll pull it together. We appreciate you though. Love you guys. You <laughs> Uh, yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. It is the Spit Podcast. We are here on a Wednesday morning in Southern California. It's January 26th. And David Lee Scales, Scott Bass here, and we are spitballing surf news and all the surf culture and everything that's happening, more or less, in the uh, world of surf. Good morning, David. Good morning. Early morning show. Is the sun even up in San Diego? Oh, yeah. The sun is up. The surf report has been uh, sent off to... It's been dispatched. So yeah, we're ready for to go. Early morning. Um, it's so foggy here that I don't even know if the sun is up yet, actually. Uh, what do you got in the cup? Oolong or coffee? Coffee. Me too. Coffee. Me too. Cheers. I buy, I buy, I am a bit of a snob when it comes to coffee. So I buy the local small batch and it is hitting the mark today. Really? Oh That's my gosh. You know, what's this isn't surf stuff. So if you're listening and you're bummed that we're not talking surf, I found this fascinating though. And it kind of deals with surfing a little bit. And there's, I'll just kind of read a little bit of this to you, but here's the headline out of control. SpaceX rocket is on a collision course with the moon. <laughs> <laughs> there's a SpaceX rocket on a collision course with the moon after spending almost seven years hurtling through space. The booster was originally launched from Florida in 2015 as part of an interplanetary mission to send a space weather satellite on a million mile journey, which is why it relates to surfing, right? It's a weather satellite. We use these to predict when the swells are coming. But apparently one of the engines burns. Um, it went a little bit haywire and now the uh, rocket is on what they call sort of a... Um, a chaotic orbit and it's not doing what it wants, what they anticipated it to do. And in fact, on March 5th, it's going to crash into the moon. This is insane. Your thoughts. <laughs> this is straight out of like a, a Nicholas Cage movie from 2004. Um, well, I'm glad that, er, that the moon is not inhabited. And I'm wondering 
when you see those movies and there isn't, let's say an asteroid, it doesn't have to be large for it to devastate the entire planet. Right. So may, maybe an asteroid is going faster than that SpaceX rocket is. And maybe yeah. it's also more dense. Yeah. Uh, whereas the rocket could just explode. We've got four, four tons of space junk is what they're saying size wise, but speed That's wise, huge. You're, you're probably four right. tons. Yeah. Oh my four gosh. Tons. So, okay. Let's go deep. If it, if it does create the level of damage that movies have told us asteroids will, when they hit the earth, yeah. it could set the moon off its trajectory potentially, which will then affect all of life as big we tides. know it. We're going to have a big king tide. <laughs> um, and, or it could like uh, not, I guess it wouldn't uh, destruct the moon, but it could, you know, create some sort of devastation on the moon that could do something similar by, you know, affecting earth. Well, they're basically saying, look, although this is the first unintentional case of space junk hitting the moon, um, some astrophysicists are welcoming this as a chance to, you know, examine and see what happens and learn from this. So um, they're not anticipating a big gravitational change or anything like that from this. So, uh, but it's interesting. It got me thinking about space junk in general, like, like, you know, in like, I don't know, let's just say 300 years. Like, what do we do with all the space junk? Like, there's going to be a company that's literally like space junk removal, and they're going to send somebody up there, and they're going to, and I think what they're going to do, and I have no idea, they might just push the space junk into another galaxy, like just like remove it from our area and put it into one way the hell out there, and deal, we'll deal with it later, which is what we're really good at doing. The guy from Dyson's going to create the space junk blower. It's like a leaf blower, <laughs> and instead of <laughs> instead of yeah, instead of vacuuming it up or sweeping it up he's just gonna blow it into somebody else's yard now we have a good comedy now we have like a john candy movie um okay john candy. That. that's a timely reference yeah you know what <laughs> he's gonna come back maybe he lives in outer space now well i um, say that because wasn't he in space balls yeah he was actually thank you see there's and what happened to rick contest. moran what happened to Rick Moranis, dude? That guy, I mean, he's still alive. He just quit acting, I guess. <laughs> now that's that's a random question. I can understand if you're like, what happened to Daniel Day-Lewis? But you're like, Rick Moranis is one of the greatest acting minds of the 21st century. Where is he? <laughs> he was. He was of my childhood. <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, yeah. What was the other one? Was he in Little Shop of Horrors? Um, he's just a VHS machine away. You can watch him today if you'd wish. I could. Um, wait, what was I going to say about space junk? Oh, yes. It is like, I mean, when I was growing up, I was going to say the 50s, but it wasn't even that long ago. Even when I was growing up, there wasn't that much of a conversation about littering in the ocean. You know, it was yeah. like if you went to the beach and you, um, I don't know what, like, wanted to leave a message in a bottle, let's say, and you throw it off the pier, there was no question. Nobody shamed you for that. There was no question about like, how dare you litter in the ocean? Now you would absolutely get vilified and right, rightfully so. And so I think that the space junk conversation, the fact that they're even calling it space junk is an indicator that they are aware that we probably should not just be launching stuff up there aimlessly. But we are. Yeah. Well, oh, well. Well, Elon is. There's like three people who are. <laughs> yeah, but they're 
they're getting funded by you and I, our tax dollars. I was going to say, who do you think the cleanup is going to get funded by too? You and I. They're the ones reaping the rewards of whatever profits yeah. will come out of the exploration phase, but we are the ones who will take care of the cleanup. Yeah. Um, well, hey, you did reference surfing. And yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything that I know about surfing this past week took place on one specific island. Right. Which one? I mean, truly. Ireland? Oh. <laughs> oh, it's all Hawaii all the time right now. Well, speaking of movies, so some listeners have sent me some stuff. I think I mentioned that I was reading this book about the troubles in Ireland. And yep. there's a movie called Keep It a Secret. Oh. Keep It a Secret film is who I'm following on Instagram. And some listeners sent this to me. They're like, hey, you got to check it out. And it looks like it's a film about surfing in Ireland in the 70s and how, um, you know, it helped the Irish, both the Protestants and the Catholics, kind of put the troubles on land aside and and kind of refresh themselves in the ocean. And it, it looks like it did a tour. So I'm wondering, have you heard anything about this film? Like, Because you deal with film festivals on the East Coast. and I have not. Is, so is this new? Um, well, let, I'll look at the, one of the earlier posts about it and see if I can find a timestamp on it. So September 30th, 2021, they say they're stoked to be premiering Keep It a Secret at the 20th Belfast Film Festival. So just, you know, eight months ago, they were premiering this thing. So it is relatively new. I think. This and, is incredible. Uh, no, no, I, I had no idea. This film. It's a film by Sean Dugan about the dawn of surfing in Ireland. And I'm sure it's, there's some, there's some posts. There's a post here of Kevin, my friend, Kevin Naughton, who's a dear friend of mine. I could probably reach out to him and find out more about it, but I'm just fascinated by um, learning about that chunk of time and history in in Ireland mm -hmm. and the surfing, apparently a big, a big subplot of it all. Incredible. Um, Keep it a secret recounts the inspiring true story of the dawn of Irish surfing and how the sports brave pioneers found the peace in the surf during the violent days of the Troubles conflict. In 1972, every international sporting event in Ireland was canceled except for one. Teams from around the world were terrified to travel to Ireland amid the height of the Troubles. The conflict between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland had plunged the island into chaos and violence, but a, the only group of athletes bold enough to risk traveling in Ireland during this turbulent time were surfers. Surfers from around the globe descended upon the coastal village of Lanich in 1972 Euro Surf Championship, the largest surfing event in all of Europe and the competition that would put Irish surfing on the map. Here, surfers from both sides of the divided island would forget about the civil strife and celebrate their shared love of the sport by riding Ireland's majestic waves. Even surfers from England would defy the government's intense pressure to boycott the event. For these surfers, there were no borders, only the endless freedom of the ocean. Yeah, and I don't know if I brought it up on this show, but after I mentioned the book that I was reading, it's called Say Nothing. And it's a fabulous book if you're interested in any of this. It's a wonderful, easy read. Um, uh, some listeners sent me... Um, an interview that was done in the, I think I want to say, what's the, I think, is it Wavelength or what's the English surf magazine or Irish surf magazine? Is it Waves or Wavelength? And I apologize to the publisher and the editor, but I'm, anyway, they did an interview on these guys that surfed during the troubles. And this is kind of like, this magazine, by the way, is kind of like a glossy surfer's journal version that they do over there in Europe or in England, UK, whatever, uh, in Ireland. 
And anyway, it, it's it's something to look into. And I, I look forward to getting to uh, getting into this a little bit and maybe even interviewing these people. I saw that you sent me an email about, hey, when's Scott going to restart his uh, interviews on the Boardroom podcast? Because I haven't done them for a while. And I think I've told you on this show that I don't want to do them until I'm into it. You know, until I don't want to just do them for the sake of doing them and not be, you know, but now I've got, now I'm kind of, I'm, I'm starting to ramp up. You know, I even have a list of guys that I want to do here somewhere. Well, it's funny. You had mentioned uh, restarting that to me just a couple of weeks ago before that email came through. So that email is kind of a good little motivator. Yeah. This, these guys interest me and I'd like to reach out to them and I'd like to interview Kevin Naughton and talk to him. I haven't talked to him in a long time. I will say just probably for the listeners more than you, but um, you know, you do get motivated to interview people. Like the podcast is a workload and it's yeah. kind of this endless hamster wheel. We don't do it in seasons, you know? So it's not like we get a break in between seasons or anything like that. And so it does feel like a bit of a chore at times, but what has pushed me through over the years is that listener feedback, like that listener sending you that email. Yeah, that's all, that's all the motivation I need. And mine, it comes in the, because I am doing it weekly, it comes in the form of somebody saying something kind, like, Hey dude, the one came through just the other day. It was like the conversations about mental health or kind of depression that have come up just organically recently with Alex Gray they're like, I've gone through, I've been going through some really hard times and hearing that and how people navigate that has been like really impactful for me. And I'm like, boom, that one email, that's all I need. I was already planning to continue onward, but that is kind of the fuel that will just, you know, whenever I'm feeling low on motivation, that's the fuel. And um, one of our listeners, a loyal listener and a monthly sponsor, by the way, Mark sent that in and he basically says, Hey, Dave, what you do is great week after week. It's incredible, but um, I'd like to see some more from Scott. It's time for you, Scott, to make some new friends. We miss you. Bring back the boardroom <laughs> podcast. Make some new friends. Um, by the way, final word on keep it a secret. I was just on their website. Yeah, It said um, one of the, so the crew of those surfers was led by Davey Govin and Bo Vance. Mm-hmm. Bo Vance. Does that name sound familiar at all? Oh, Vance. I feel he, like I should know this. No, you probably don't. It's, it's oh. obscure, but um, tangential. His by day, Bo Vance ran Belfast's first recording studio, which launched the career of Van Morrison. Radical. Whoa. That's pretty then, Speaking of wavelengths, Van Morrison had a, an album in the early 90s, maybe called Wavelength. It of course. Epic. Just you saying that, that song's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Such a good song, though. How about the beginning of that song where there's like, it's almost like a synthesizer or something. It's like, wave. I think we have our song to go out on today. I cannot sing. I, you actually sounded like you might have a voice. I try to sing. It's just like, I try to sing in the car and I'm like, nope, not going to happen. Even you don't like hearing yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just cannot. And occasionally I'm like, this is the one song where I'm on pitch. Like I got it and uh, it goes bad. I could do impersonations a little bit. Like I could do an Eddie Vedder. I could do a Van Morrison, but I can't, I don't have my own voice. Um, Well, that's a cool, I appreciate hearing that. Keep it up or keep it a secret film. I'll be looking for that. Look, we got a lot to talk about. We're kind of, um, 
we're, we're hiding out from the truth, which is that John John Florence and Carissa Moore won the Vans Triple Crown Digital Edition. David, did this reach your, uh, you know, your attention span here last week? Absolutely. I was following yeah. it actively. Um, yeah, I was blown away. So we, I think we talked about it when the submission window first started, which was a month ago. And you were like, well, it's a little diffused, you know, like the Triple Crown when it was contests on the beach with people gathering and with judges, you know, it's more focused and you have something to focus on. This is a little bit more spread out. I like this about it though. And I think what I'd like about it more is it's a more accurate reflection of who is shredding on the North shore, not on a given day, but over the course of a month and over the course of different venues. And so they do award, of course, individual event titles, but then there is the overall champion. Um, Carissa Moore won all three individual titles, Holly, Eva, Sunset, and Pipe. And then she also won the overall. I don't know. I just felt like it gave me something. There was this whole month, there's been two things that I've been engaging with on a weekly basis. It's been the Triple Crown daily, seeing the, first of all, I would see the clips on Instagram. Then I would go to the site every few days and just see what's been uploaded. And I'm seeing names of surfers that I'd never, uh, probably wouldn't have seen in the actual event on the beach, Tex Mitchell, who's a young surfer from Oceanside, um, who got a, a really good wave at Holly Eva. Just like no-name people who put in individually great clips. Baron Mamiya was leading the charge on the men's side for a while there. Koa Smith, you know? And so seeing that, and then John John comes in at the end and drops clips that are just like showstoppers. So there was an excitement from week to week. The other thing that I was engaged in was the uh, stab series called the pickup, which covered some of the triple crown, but also covered other things happening on the North shore. And so I really felt like those were my two um, input points from what's going on on the rock, which normally it's magazines would provide that, or the WSL would provide that. And now that those things are gone, you know, there's these new things. Yeah. And, and um, super stoked that Vans is doing it. You bring up great points about it, that, that we, what we really get is probably the true winners rather than, hey, this one day, this one guy during the Haleiva event had a good run. And you know what I mean? Where it's just- Where the waves were small for the yeah, event. Right. And so we didn't see real Haleiva, you know? Yeah, like the leader of the triple crown after Haleiva is Joe Blow because the waves were three foot and blown out the whole event, you know? Right, and right. Like, hmm, I don't know. I think John John's probably a little better than that guy. Exactly. Now, and I what I like about it though, too, is we- when we were in COVID and we were forced or in the thick of it, and we were forced to kind of rethink how we can run competitions around the world. And we're like, well, what about a video format? Blah, blah, blah. What I like about this is we're getting the best of both worlds. We're still having uh, the Dehui backdoor shootout. We're still having the Billabong pipe pro in two days, but then also we have this roving video format. And so I think there's room for both things. The question is, and I'm not saying that this is my stance on it, but the question is, John John Florence and Carissa Moore are our winners again, right? Yes. Like, it doesn't actually give a chance for Joe Blow to to have a great day at four foot Holly Eva and like be in the running and all of a sudden be, you know, like it just feels like, are we like, course john john's the best surfer on the north shore that's a no-brainer i could tell you that without even him 
putting in clips, you know, but I mean, I know he has to do the work, but are we, See, I, I guess think, what I'm saying is, are we going to run it? Like, will you be disappointed if next year it's John, John and Chris, or will you be like, hmm, maybe we need to change the format a little three years in a row is a bit much. Absolutely not because he is the best surfer and he deserves to win the title. You watch one of those clips and you go, that's better surfing than I've ever seen before. It's better than he was doing last year. It's better than everybody else is doing this year. He deserves it. And it, it does give chance for Baron Mamiya though, to showcase his prowess. And I watched those clips and I still am paying attention to him, but John, John one upped him. So I think it's a good a, format. Do you sense that there is a strategy whereby John, John's team is like, look, the last day to upload for Haliva is this day upload at that time at the very last minute so that it's like boom here's ours and we've and the judges have already seen all the other Haliva edits and they're like oh john john just finally sent in his thing let's look at it and you're like holy mackerel like is there a strategy where you think everyone is like uploading at the very last moment of the waiting period per location i don't think so because the judging isn't all done at the last minute you know like when Baron, if Baron Mamiya drops his clip on day one and the judges are impressed by that and they give it a, you know, I, I think it's a hundred point scale. So they give it a 95, then that, that score doesn't change once they see John John's score. If John John's is equally as impressive, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the judging yeah. is done on a day-to-day basis. So it wouldn't be affected by who comes. At I mean, the it, but, it, but if you're a judge, you're like, okay, that's a 95. We can't give that a hundred. Because then that we won't have room for improvement as this event moves forward. But so when they watch Baron, John John's clip at the end, they can still look at Barron's and go, how does this compare to the 95 that we gave to Barron? It's a 96 or it's a 94, you know? Yeah. I think it's a, it's a lot more objective to do it this there's way. M- there's more time to be objective for sure, right? Yeah, and you're not really caught up in the emotional moment that you would be on the beach. Yeah, well... Uh, tip of the cap to the Vans Triple Crown Digital Edition. Again, they've provided us with great content. Um, well, let me these. also say, tip of the cap to them, putting up a $217,000 prize purse. Where'd they come up with that number? They're Vans. <laughs> They're Vans. Oh, but two seventeen. Why not two twenty-five or 200 oh, or 220? Well, I don't know exactly how what the exact numbers were. It was $50,000, first of yeah. all, for... John, John and Carissa. Then there was a dollar amount for the individual event titles, which I think might've been $5,000. Then the filmers and the videographer, yeah, the videographers or filmers got, I think 5,000 bucks each. So um, maybe somebody in there got a $2,000 prize, which was accounts for the 17. Um, But I just, I think that's a big prize purse and it's awesome. It's awesome. They're throwing some money around and not that John, John and Carissa need the extra payday, but congrats to them. I'm thinking it should be more. Really? Yeah. Okay. Best surfers in the world and the best waves in the world risking their lives. Okay. Agreed. A million dollars. I mean, Vans is making some money, dude. Come on. Yeah. I think they're supporting the industry though, too. I like to see yeah. it. Now, one thing that I said that I want to point out, uh, yeah. Remember how much I've been hyping Crosby Colapinto these last couple of weeks? Yeah. I called him my Duke two weeks ago. Then last week he got that clip where he got barreled at back door and somebody dropped in on him and he gets yeah. spit out behind him. He won the pipeline Vans triple crown event. John, John won Holly, Eva and sunset Crosby won the pipeline. How is that? 
That's cool. Stoked it's to hear epic. That. Yeah, that's great. He got this crazy wave at backdoor that was the big score and um, an unpredictable wave, a long wave, a big double up and just navigated it beautifully. And the fact that he's even out there like scrapping with the crowd because he's not a presence on the North shore. You know, he hasn't been there for a decade. He's from San Clemente and he's probably 20 years old. So he's only been there for a couple of years, but the fact that he's out there going on the waves that are, you know, not perfect uh, and then making it work. He deserves this. This was epic to me. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, actually, on a couple of different levels. L- let me also say that Carissa said something which is unique, which is, thank goodness that Moana Wong didn't submit her clips from the <laughs> Dehui backdoor shootout or I would have lost, you know, which is kind of cool of her to say that. And then she kind of like wink and a nod said, hey, by the way, can't wait for heat number one at Pipeline here in a couple of days when Moana's in my heat. So those two. That's a heat to watch. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later on, but there are some heats to watch, which are interesting. The other thing is this idea that like, you know, you didn't now tell me, I'll be honest. I didn't completely engage with the Vance triple crown of surfing. I was just, you know, sort of on a peripheral level. Um, Were there uploads from guys like Jake Marshall? Um, I did not see a clip from Jake, but guys like Jake Marshall. Yes. Like, like Jiao Chianka. Was he in there? Yes, I believe so. Cause my concern is, or not my concern, but I'm wondering if there's like guys that are like Crosby who, you know, aren't going to be on the CT maybe in a couple of years, who knows he's a great surfer, but there's guys that are like, I'm here for the Vans triple crown. And then there's guys that are here. Like I'm here to get ready for the CTs kicking off. And there's a- are there two different camps, you know, and, and are some of them like, there's no way I'm dealing with 90 guys at pipe right now trying to get video clips. I'm just going to yeah. go over here and do that. And my heat's coming up in three weeks. And, you know, I'm wondering if there's like a divide. There is. So there's, I'll just read random names off the site. Uh, Mickey Clark, uh, Tori Meister, Cody Young, Billy Kemper, Ian Gentile. Um, more of the same. Uh, Kuyo Kalani Young from Kauai, Shion Crawford, uh, Kai Martin, you know, names that you right. haven't even heard of before. Right. Of course, right. Baron Mamiya, Adrian Toyan, Nolan Raposa from here in Long Beach. Um, so a little bit of everything, actually. Yeah, yeah, but, but you see what I mean? Like there's like the lower tier CT guys that are, let's just say the rookies. Like is Carlos Munoz, did he put in a submission? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's kind of got it. He's actually an interesting one because he could actually, he's got a spot out there. Like it might be lower tier, but he's put in enough time that, but you know what I mean? Like, are there some, like David Silva, I guess he, did he do an upload? I didn't see one from him. You know what I'm saying? So there's like, yeah, because it feels like, like I think about Crosby and I'm like, okay, yeah, he is kind of young and he hasn't been around a long time, but he's also got his brother who's a Billabong guy and a bunch of his buddies that are kind of like, come follow me. I'll show you what to do. Whereas it feels like the David Silva's of the world or whoever, I'm just, I'm just riffing. There's probably some guys that are like, holy shit, there's no way I'm going to get away at a pipe in the next four hours with 80 guys grinding. I'm just going to go surf sunset or I'm going to go wherever I go. I'm going to go surf Jocko's. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. But I mean, the reality is, I guess you, those guys will have a hard time getting away at pipe, no matter what, no matter what day it is. But I think Sunset and Hollyiva over the course of one month and the various swells and conditions, you can get waves out there. Oh, if you sure. put in your if you put in your time there and you yeah. 
certainly surf days that not everybody else wants to surf. You can get waves out there and get clips yeah. that are worthy. You see what I'm saying though? Like there's yeah. a divide, right? Between... Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, um, other news, and I got this from Stab, the Australian leg of the CT is up in the air, apparently. Um, the WSL had this to say in a recent press release, and I quote, given the complexities of global travel during this pandemic and the fluid nature of the situation, we will maintain the flexibility to adjust and react accordingly, and there could be potential adjustments to the schedule. Now, David, Western Australia's borders were meant to be open February 5th, but Omicron, of course, changed that. The tourism board pumps money into that WSL event each year and helped some of, many of the surfers bypass certain restrictions last year. But we'll see how this year goes. Of course, we spoke last week, David, about um, Australian event cancellations that could benefit Kelly Slater because the federal sports minister, Richard Colbeck, basically said there's no chance Kelly's getting into the country if he's not vaccinated. Your thoughts on the WSL leg of the CT, or the Australian leg, excuse me, being uh, being upended. Uh, it would be a huge bummer. If they could pull it off last year, I would think that they could pull it off this year. Of course, last year did not- Sydney, they were in New South Wales. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They didn't pl- run at the, venues, at the venues that they had originally planned on for the yeah. schedule. So it was an amended schedule. Um, but they better have, I, if they don't have a backup plan in place or plan B, C, and D in place, I would be shocked. And so there, there should be other venues that they're looking, other countries that they're looking to run at already. Um, the reality is they can run 10 events this season, I believe. It's just a matter of planning and logistics, and they should have been working on this stuff already, you know, for a year now. And so if you're not sure they are. Well, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> well, here's here's what we do know that, and this is no big secret, but, and this is in fact, um, you know, professional sports managers everywhere are looking and going, they're just basically going, please Omicron, I want to see the decline. Like everyone's just waiting to see a decline so they can, so that the chambers of commerce and yeah, and 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 the and the, and the department and the government officials and the and the sports managers can all go, look, it's declining. Let's push life on again and go green light with everything. We're seeing a decline. Um, of course, that doesn't uh, mean that there won't be some other variant that kicks in, but um, they're all based. I think that's plan A is come on, please. Let's see the decline. The declines happened in Africa. It's, it's happening in, in Europe, at least in the UK. I don't know about the rest of Europe, but and so they're all, I mean, we know that's plan A. What plan B is if there's not a decline or if sports minister or if the chambers of commerce don't get on board, you know, what's the plan? Where, like, where do you go? You know, do you go to Newcastle? <laughs> I don't know. Probably. Weird, weird situation. Yeah, it is. Well, the biggest news of this week as it relates to yes. the world tour is right. Gabriel Medina. Uh, yes. withdrawing from the pipe event and sunset, I believe, was it both pipe and sunset? No, and then just, just pipe officially from pipe, but it's undetermined whether or not he will be joining us for the rest of the season. He's left it pretty vague. I'll read a quote from him. He says these past few months have been, uh, by the way, Gabriel Medina, the reigning world champ says, 
the past few months have been a difficult time for me personally, and it has taken a toll. As such, I've decided to withdraw from the start of the 2022 WSL Championship Tour. I had every intention of competing for the full season, had made all the preparations medically. I took my COVID vaccination during my holiday and mentally and physically, but I'm not where in a place where I believe I can perform against the world's best right now and i need to focus on my own well-being i don't know how long it'll take but my aim is to return to the championship tour as soon as i feel i am ready i very much appreciate everyone's ongoing love and support i'll be back when i'm able love yeah my it's it's you know um i'm constantly trying to read between the lines here and maybe i shouldn't maybe i should just take it well, part of part of what I read, it sounds like this to me. And again, forgive me if I'm not being sensitive to the situation, his mental health and all that, because I want to be. I'm not here to just immediately go, you know, and throw up on what Gabe's press release said. But he does allow us for some. You know, the opportunity to kind of think a little deeper about what's actually being said here, because. To me, it stamps out, and I think this is what all new sports agents have. They basically took Simone Biles and um, Naomi Osaka, the tennis players, they took their press releases and they went, God, whoever wrote those was brilliant. Because it, it doesn't give us, the critical viewing consumer of sports, the ability to go and shake your finger because there's this mental health thing that's around it. And oh my God, we're not allowed to talk about that. You know, like we're not allowed to say, pull up your bootstraps god damn it and get to work like that's that's friggin cancel culture shit right there and so and this kind of read like they just you know like they're like hey you know what works really good just say you got some mental health issues and just like leave it like really opaque like vague and ambiguous and, and you know and i'm sure he does and by the way so do you and i like i got some you know but i'm here now i'm not saying it's not i'm not saying it you know so Again, I should probably shut up or I'm going to get a bunch of hate now. I'm glad Gabe's getting better. And I hope, and by the way, the WSL, this, this sucks that Gabe's not on tour. Yeah. It sucks that he's not at pipe. And that's really where I'm coming from. Like, how can you do this to me? I'm an end consumer. I'm an enthusiast sports watcher here. And it's kind of like Djokovic not being in the Australian Open. I want the best guys there. Yeah. Don't make me have to, like, put an asterisk on Jack Robinson's world title this year because you weren't in it, Gabe. Yeah, well, there's a lot there. Um, this actually feels transparent to me. So I don't, I felt like there's less reading between the lines here than there is traditionally. I think the traditional MO and certainly Slater, his MO is to smoke screen us. He has an ankle injury and he says that he has something else that he's working on because he doesn't want to reveal his weak spot to his competitors. I feel like this is a moment where Gabe has provided transparency and just straight out said the truth. Now, whether or not, you know, he needs to pull his bootstrap, pull himself up by his bootstraps and get his act together is a different conversation, but none of us are really, allowed to comment on that conversation or we can comment on it because that's our job, but we're not really, we have no idea what it's like to be at that level of competing, that level of stress and intensity for well over a decade and also from childhood. And 
I think that this uh, breakdown or whatever he's going through was inevitable. Whatever, you, you know, having I th- a breakdown. Well, dude, it's something. That's it's enough. Pretty to, strong. I don't mind if it's strong. It's enough well, see, to that's thwart. It's enough to thwart his world title ambition. So it's something. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, and I'm sure it is something. I'm not. Everything you said is right. Like, there's stresses that you and I have no idea. Like, it's it's just next level. You know, money, people, everything, just like family. Like, it's just crazy. I, I don't really know. You know, I speak from a position of ignorance. But I guess what I'm concerned about is like, look, in his Portuguese statement, he said he had a hip injury and it just feels like. And again, this is just me. I'm not. I'm not trying to cause I'm just it just feels like the the move for everyone, not just Gabe, but for everyone, the smart move is to go. And oh, by the way, I'm working on some mental health issues as well. Like to me, I just think his hips hurt. And he's like, I'm still hurt. But let's just throw this thing on there. Because it makes it so no one can comment on anything. Everyone's got to go, get well soon. We love you. Can't wait to see you again back on tour. Like, that's the only thing you can really say. But no, I think you're right. Everybody does struggle with mental health. And it's something that was never discussed before. And so I don't think he's using that as a disguise for the hip injury. He acknowledged the hip injury. And by the way, his mental state could be fragile because of the hip injury. Like he's never had any injuries before. This is the first time he feels human and that's broken him down. But what I mean by this was inevitable is look at his behavior. When we look at his behavior on Instagram, he looks fragile to me. Like his fawning over his wife is looks like a high schooler's <laughs> relationship to me. It looks right. like the first time somebody's in high school, the first time they've ever gotten laid, and they are so pee whipped that they're just like, "Oh my god, look at this! Everybody, look at how pretty she is. Did you see her from this angle? Did you see this? Oh, what about? Look at us now. We're having dinner together, and it's like, Gabe, chill yeah. the f out, dude. What is this? Your first girlfriend in your life, you know? And of course, the fallout with his stepfather has been pretty public. And so all of that, it's like, yes, this is all sincere, but it's also, it's not the actions of a mature seasoned adult who's gone through the different seasons in life multiple times and knows how to integrate all of this emotional stuff with your day-to-day and with your finances and with your professional obligations and all of that stuff. It looked like this is running hot. This is running hot and it's going to fizzle out. You're right. You're right. And- and it made me think of a couple of things. <clears throat> One is, I like your take here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit because because really we don't know what's going on. Like there could be some deep stuff that's really sad, and and it is time for me to just shut up and go. You know, no, what? you don't have to shut up. I think you're fine. Everything you said is fine. Well, I, I mean, my point is, like you mentioned some stuff that that made me think of some other deeper stuff that could be going on. That's like, Whoa, you know, like who knows really, you know, like, and, and it's okay to just put sort of the, the, you know, sort of the global umbrella of, Hey, we're just taking a mental health break, you know, to leave me alone for a little bit. And, and I think that that's fine. You know, I get it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, and I do think it's fine by the way, that aside from everything that I just said, or maybe just in addition to this is good. If you are stressed out, right, it's right. it's okay. And by the way, the WSL ought to recognize that they 
should be providing support and assistance for their athletes, not when they break down, but throughout all of this, like the fact that Kelly's been able to function at a level of intensity that he has for 20 years is not normal. And your other athletes will not be able to do it. So if you want to get, 10 well, he's years taking out, breaks. that's true. That's true. But if you want to get 10 years out of John, John, if you want to get 10 years out of Idolo, let's say 10 years out of Morgan Sibilic, then there needs to be accommodations made. And I think one move that they have made that is good is having a longer off season, you know, like, yeah. like have a shorter yeah. season and then give these guys more time off. So they're not on the road 12 months out of the year for their yeah, entire you think career. About it, they have October and November, basically two months off. And then if you're smart, you, you go, actually you got to Hawaii in early November. Really? But that's not the WSL's obligation. They're, that's still time. No, off I'm just thinking if you're an athlete, if you're looking at your schedule and you're a professional athlete on the WCT, the smart move is to go to true Oahu and just hang out in November and just start to like assimilate. And it doesn't. And, and so that means that you're not really off. Like it's not an off season. You get basically you get October off. You get half of September and October off six weeks. Well, um, let me ask you this. So, because this is kind of an interesting thing because burnout is real and we've seen it in all sports and people burn out, you know, like there's, there's classic cases of kids that are just like had an incredible opportunity and just burned out. And um, so my question is kind of like, if we all acknowledge that this is a real thing and it is, when's the ideal time as like the agent or the manager of these athletes to go, okay, you know what, after year four, you're going to take a year off. Now I know it's nuanced and each individual is different. There's not like one specific time, but I think of people like, like if I was to say to you, like, um, I don't know if I was to pick a guy, like, let's just say, um, let's say Connor Coffin. Connor Coffin has been on tour for what? Four or five years. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Three, three to five years, something like that. Like, what would behoove Connor's career? When would be a good time for him to go, you know what? It'd be, it'd be a good time for me to kind of just take a year off, a mental year off. And, and, or is it the fact that Gabe can afford to do it and other guys can't? Like Connor Coffin needs to freaking go to work. Agreed. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have the luxury of taking that time off if you're a Midland employee. You need, right. to, you need to show your worth to the brand and be indispensable in order to have the luxury to take a year off. Which, which kind of brings up this thing of like equality. Like, it's kind of like, well, if you are the best of the best, the number one in the world, and you can just go, eh, I'm taking a year off and then I'm going to come back. Like that's kind of a competitive advantage. Totally. And should we, if you do that, fine, I get it. But there's, there's some stuff that comes with that. And that's that, that's that you're going to have to requalify. No problem. Requalify. Fine. Cause that gives the guys that have to grind it because it's their life. That, that makes it a little play, a uh, fair playing field. So, yeah, that's okay, fine. Gabe. So should Gabe have to requalify David? Sure. Put him on the challenger, the challenger series. Watch challenger him smoke series. everybody. We'll see. So the we'll one see. dis, another disappointment here for us as fans is I cannot remember a season where John John and Gabriel competed against each other, both for the entire season, fully healthy. Yeah, that's bullshit. 
that needs to happen. I, anyway, I we're all saddened be... by this as fans, but we're stoked for Gabe to get through whatever it is he's going to get through. But I would say that kind of makes sense that if look if you're if you have the ability to go, nah, I'm gonna, I've got to, I'm injured. This this basically says, hey, look, no injury wild cards. I mean, it's weird because mental health is an injury, you know, just like his hip is an injury. Like these are injuries. So no matter what, no more injury wild cards. If you're injured, it sucks for you, but you're going to have to requalify because we got a bunch of hungry people at the bottom trying to get to the top. And if you're good enough, it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how he, it could be that him taking this time off allows him to regain all the confidence and mental uh, fortitude that he had previously as a competitor. But it'll be interesting to see if that actually does happen. Like, what if he comes back with, um, you know, a certain feebleness? Like, man, he's a different man now. He's accepted defeat in certain ways. Well, I mean, it, I think if we saw enough out of the Andy Irons documentaries and the story of Andy, there was certainly a, there was a time that he was just like he just didn't feel like he had it uh, mentally, right? You know, and. I mean, he, I think he even says as such at, at some point in some of the documentaries where he's basically like, man, I just wasn't my same self. You know, I didn't have the drive or whatever. So, cause I, so I've said this in the past. I mean, I've said this for years, I think Gabriel, you know, who will beat Gabriel Medina, Gabriel, Gabriel Medina. Medina, totally. Yeah. And that happens at that level of what of competition, it's just impossible to be that intense for more than three to five years, let's say. Yeah. And the guys that are like, when I think about the tennis tour, like the guys that are at the top, there's so much money on that tour and in that industry that they're well-managed and well, and they do get their four months off in Monaco where they just freaking drink champagne and blah, 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 or whatever, you know, I don't know what they do. But my point is, is that they've got so much dough that they can just friggin' cruise and then go, okay, now I need two months to kind of get back to, okay, now I'm ready to compete. And I'm not sure that there's enough money in this space for, for everyone to do that, which is why I think well, everyone needs to recall. You're injured, whatever your injury is, you get to requalify. No more injury wild card. You know, who looks like, or first of all, who has that amount of money and who looks like they've spent four months off in Monaco drinking champagne and fo- <laughs> yeah. eating foie gras. I do. Goat number two, not Tom Curran. Goat number two, Kelly Slater. The guy looks like he's injected his skin with some sort of pigmentation. He's friggin' dark. Oh, is that? I thought he was. He injected it with some sort of uh, uh, filler as well around the midsection. Oh, belly, really? Belly, <laughs> belly Slater. Oh my God! Belly Did you Slater. not see adding this? some power? He's adding some Dane Reynolds to his mojo. He really is taking a page out of Dane's book. Did you see these uh, images or should I send them to you? No. Can you hold on for a sec? I got to get Let, my dog. Yeah. Let's take a commercial break. I'll send these to you and then we'll come back. Okay. Great. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. 
Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Belly Slater. What? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Kelly is looking comfy. He's looking well rested. And by the way, this is not, not a fat shaming segment. I am proud of him. I am celebrating the dad bod because yeah. I sympathize. You know, I, that might not be Kelly. That might be Sean Slater. <laughs> what did he ever kidding. do to you? Jeez. Nothing. I'm just having fun. I'm stoked too, man. The guy's got some sourdough handles. I could guy's <laughs> sourdough bread or something. Like those handles are, he either needs to get a bigger shorts or. <laughs> Get some wave key going. Um, he's definitely riding more foam. Let's let's say that. Uh, now, are you? So I got a number of listeners talking about Survival League, saying this could be your last chance to put the goat on a team. This could be wow. the final because you're not going to add him for Sunset, but he is, you know, going to do well. He generally does well at pipe. Yeah. And he might not go to Australia because of the vac right. situation. So he might not even end up doing the rest of the tour. So this could be your last chance to put him on your survival team, Scott. What say you? And did you pick him? <laughs> I'm not going to give up my survival pick, but we got to let people know that, look, the event starts on the 29th, which is this weekend. So get your Survivor League picks in today. It's really simple. Winner take all, surviving the survive surf survival league. You pick one surfer to make it past round 32 in each event. You cannot pick the same surfer twice in the same year. And if you're the winner, you get $3,000 and a three-board quiver from Panda Surfboards. And it's only $20 to buy in. Now, I ask you, I mean... $20 for an entire year of fun and engagement and involvement through the survival league. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I've thrown 20 bucks at a lot uh, worse. So um, the answer to your question is you could still pick Kelly for frankly, for G land for Chopu and um, J Bay. Yeah. J Bay. Thank you. J Bay. 
the thing is, is that when you think about those three events, are you like, really, is Kelly my first J Bay pick? Yeah. No, and and at G land is Kelly my first, you know? So I, I rethought my strategy last week. I told you I have John, John, because my strategy is just who do I think is going to win the event? Yeah. And that John, John is my pick. But then I was like, well, do I want John, John for, um, Western Australia? Cause in Western Australia, I think of two guys, I think of Jack Robinson and John, John, and then I go, well, who would I think about at sunset? Well, sunset, I think about Jack Robinson so, or Zeke Lau, but I don't really trust Zeke. So let's say I pick John John for pipe, uh, Jack Robinson for sunset. Now I'm left with no picks for West Oz or a lot more questionable picks. So then I thought, okay, well, pipe, I could save John John for West Oz, use Jack at sunset. And then pipe, I have a number of people I could choose from you know, that, that could arguably make quarterfinals, semifinals. You could bet money that they would make the quarterfinals at pipe. So I might. It's one of them Seth Moniz. No, but one of them was Kelly Slater, of course, until I yeah. saw those sourdough photos. <laughs> no way. But you and I have both seen him ripping at pipe the last couple of days too. Not, not really. I don't think. I saw him burn it, stops you. I've seen some of the best surfers ever at pipe, a little bit sourdoughy, like. Okay, good you know, point. Harry Dane or, well, he was a backdoor thing, but I mean, even look at big guys that, I'm not going to say Dan Kiloa was ever a sourdough. He was pure muscle, but, you know, like how about Kalani Chapman or his, yeah. his cousin or, Net or, Bra- or uh, Sean Briley? I mean, big guys do good at pipe. That's true, but they were always big guys. Whereas Kelly, he's off his game, is what I'm suggesting. I would agree with you. I would agree with you that that's not, that's the look of a retired man right there. I think, yeah, that, that we've talked about harbingers of his retirement. Like, well, he said this. Does that mean he's retiring? <laughs> no, <laughs> this is the, this is the official two week notice. <laughs> he just turned in his notice to, to Eric Logan. He's like, sent a picture and he's like, consider this my notice. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, the thing oh, about yeah, Kelly, listen, if he, yeah, go ahead. Somebody sent footage of him uh, surfing in New Smyrna beach yeah. just a month ago. Yes. And they're like, Holy cow. He looks so human surfing crappy gutless three foot waves. And he did. I mean, he was like, yeah barely making sections, not landing turns, not landing airs, you know? And, uh, and then when I saw, but from that beach angle of him surfing, you can't see the extra physique. And now that I see the extra physique, I'm like, Oh, it's all making sense now. I saw some of that session too. And I thought to myself, that looks like the session of an older guy who's going out just because he has to go out to yeah. continue like because i've had many sessions where I'm, I'm like it looks like shit but i'm just gonna go out to kind of keep the cardio thing going and to kind of just keep my wits physically about me so that i can do this when the waves actually get good yeah that's the listener that sent, listeners sent that footage too by the way did he of me <laughs> yeah i just oh, sent it to horrible. you yesterday oh dude that is so horrible this is why i hate video i'm like that's the worst I've got some great video of me though, but anyway. did so. Do you know who that who filmed that? No, but they sent it to me. They're like, "Hey, look!" It's, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that day was horrible." So this this was a 
day at your local spot, a listener sent a video, somebody was shooting uh, drone footage of everything yeah. that took place. And yeah. somehow the listener identified you within like the five minutes of just random footage. They're like, go to the 59 second mark and go to the two minute and 55 minute, two minute and 55 second mark. And there's two waves of Scott Bass. And I'm like, what an eagle eye. I don't think I would have even identified you, but the listener did. It's pretty bad. It wasn't that bad. Right it wasn't that bad at all. I mean, the waves um, are horrible. And yeah. That's yeah. What happens 56 years old and three foot high tide mush. By the way, Taylor from Surf Survival League, by the way, it's spelled S-U-R-F dash, I'm sorry, S-U-R-F-I-V-A-L dash league.com, surfvivalleague.com. Um, he replied to our comments last week and he said, there's two reasons. You were saying, why don't you just get the top 10 guys and pick one of them for each event. And he said, the reason why that won't work is you don't know who's going to be in the top 10 at the start of the year. And everyone except Medina among the top 10 from last year had at least one 17th or 33rd. That's the beauty of the game. That's why I'm rooting right now. I'm just rooting for Jack, uh, for John, John to have a shocker. Yeah. If John, John has a shocker at pipeline. I'm saying, 60% of the field is wiped out. I agree with you, but it's more likely that Kelly has the shocker and that 40% of the people had Kelly. Yeah. I mean, John John's coming off the triple crown win. He's looking as good as he's ever looked at pipe. Absolutely. And so I think he's as much of a lock as you could possibly have in any event, anywhere in the world, any time of year. Totally. Agree any, with any, you. Any. Okay. Um, I've got 10 minutes till I'm on baby duty. So okay. more on pipe is that uh, Ivan Florence has gotten a wild card into the event, which I think could be exciting, especially if it's West swell and big Okay. Pipe. Let me ask you this. Yes. Regarding that. Um, Baron Mamiya, Miguel Tudela, Ivan Florence and Kyo Abelli. Kyo Abelli. Those are your male wild cards, right? So this is actually an interesting bet. Like if, if, if you could bet somehow on this, like which guy's going the furthest, you know, Baron, obviously Baron and Ivan, you're like, those are the no brainers, but guess who's going to get you the best odds, right? Miguel Tudela. If you could bet Miguel Tudela to go the furthest of those four guys, you know, you're probably going to get, I don't even know, you know, 20 to one rather than four to one with Baron Mamiya or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're telling me Baron's going to go the furthest. Okay. But, you know, like I said, it's an interesting bet. If I said, no, well, you're wrong. Miguel Tudela, give me four to one. Here's, you win, you get five bucks. If, if Miguel goes further, I get 20 bucks. Go ahead. So it's swell dependent. If it is big West swell, I would take, I would bet on Miguel Tudela. He's, I forget where he placed last year. Maybe he just made it through the trials last year. I think he made it into the event last year by getting second in the trials. I think, um, and he's good at getting big waves at pipe, as is Ivan Florence. But if it's a backdoor swell, then you got to consider Baron Mamiya goes left and right. He's equally adept at big pipe or big backdoor. And so that's where I would put my money. So it's swell dependent. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at the heats. You know, it's an, I mean, there's a lot of interesting heats this year. I mean, I don't know why it is, but every heat looks pretty good. Well, there's some boring ones, but how about the heat number 11? Col or wait, wait, wait. Uh, heat seven. I'm sorry, heat seven. Kanoa Igarashi, 
great surfer, great competitor versus Seth Moniz, pipeline specialist who's sort of out to, you know, change the way things went last year. And Carlos Munoz, that's a, that's a pretty well stacked, evenly stacked heat, I should say. Don't you think? All regular, yeah, all regular footers, all similar kind of approach. I think that's a great heat. I do too. That's like, God, those guys are evenly matched. I think anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt everybody's, I think everybody's posting sevens in that heat. Yeah. Bare minimum. Um, I'm also looking forward to the women's event, to be honest. Uh, this is really going to be a do or die. I mean, not literally, but uh, make or break. There could be heroes made in this event. And I think that there will be a huge chasm between uh, people getting actually barreled versus backing off on waves. Even most recently when they did the specialty heat during the pipe masters yeah. and they ran one yeah. women's heat, very few of them were actually getting under the ledge and going on the big ones. I mean, Carissa yeah. Moore is the only one I can think of. Um, yeah. and, and then we saw when they ran a women's, they finished the Maui pro last year at pipe Tyler Wright won the event without getting barreled. Yeah. It was embarrassing. And so this will be, and we, we've now seen a number of these women actually charging. Carissa Moore at Backdoor, obviously Moana Wong at Pipe. Uh, Stephanie Gilmore got some insane ones at Backdoor this past week. Yeah. Yeah. So we've seen. Who else? I mean, to me, that's kind of, maybe Tatiana. Tatiana will give it a go. So that's where it's going to be this kind of, there's going to be women cowering off on the side that if the waves are big that don't even paddle in like we've seen yeah. with some of the men's competitors in recent years. And then there's going to be Carissa Moore scraping to get in yeah. and go. And yeah. I think that's going to be interesting. So, but what I think will ultimately happen is there will be somebody who we didn't anticipate who is just goes for it, you know, and, and there, this could build their career. There could be a career defining moment or a raise, a rise to superstardom from obscurity. And that might be Carolyn Marks. Like she's the one where I'm like, okay, she's she's gonna grind hard. I've seen her get big barrels at Chopu, so she would be expected to go. I think there could be somebody who just comes out of nowhere that like, whoa, who's that? Or yeah, maybe right see, now. What go ahead. What well, what I'm suggesting is we mentioned the big hitters that we think are gonna do great. And Carolyn wasn't in that list. Yeah, that's true. And my feeling is is that Carolyn Marks is gonna be like, hey, you guys for I mean, I know I'm on the scene already, but guess what? I'm now considered a legit pipe contender and I'm going to show you why. And I, I think I could see Carolyn because I look at the others that we didn't mention. and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. She's the only one where I'm like, that chick's got some moxie. She really does. Uh, I think she's been training for this. This could be her moment to shine. Yeah. So again, I got to bail in five minutes um, okay. at the most. But one thing that's worth mentioning is Steve Pesman, Surfers Journal founder, and um, yeah, longtime surf mag editor. He's releasing a book. It's called Turn Around and Go. You can pre order it on surfersjournal.com. What? Man, after my own heart, <laughs> just turn around and go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, regardless of who else is going? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. You said that. Uh, but if you want to pre-order that, I think it's 30 bucks. It looks awesome. It's 50 years of surf writing. 
So either Scott or I will interview Steve, right? On the boardroom show or on Surf Splendor at some point about this. Steve is an epic interview. Hey, um, let me go back to Pipe for just half a second because I think this okay. is kind of interesting. You probably heard Jao Chianka got sent into the cave. He got beat up pretty hard on the reef at Pipe after scraping into a mean beastie wave, which he's been doing of, of late. He's just, and this has always been doing. But um, this was a pretty scary beating where he got helped back onto the beach by the guards and he was shaky and it was like scary, right? So my question to you is, first of all, his heat's going to be an interesting one because after a wipeout like that, you either are like, okay, this, I'm kind of like, I'm shaken by this for a while, or you're like, no problem. Let's move forward. I'm getting back on the horse. So my question to you is, are you going to watch the Jiao Chianka heat kind of more intently seeing where he's at mentally and seeing if there's some hesitancy? Because again, man, getting sent into the reef under a cave, not being able to come up. It's a scary situation. Does he come back from that? Are you interested in this heat and watching him serve? Yes. And yes, I watch it. I'm interested in it. I think that he's uh, fully capable of using that to his advantage. I think he's, he's the type of guy, I mean, he's got a lot of big wave prowess. I've not seen him surf pipe a lot, but I have, obviously he's got a lot of big wave prowess. And so I think he's kind of built with the attitude that now he knows what pipe can deliver and he's survived it and he can come back from that. The problem is he's got John John Florence in his heat. So I don't, you know, as much balls as he might have to go out there and do it again, it doesn't mean that he's the best surfer out there. You can have all the balls in the world and still not know how to really navigate the barrel as deftly as John John. Yeah, yeah, good point for sure. And, um, you know, I'm looking, go ahead. Well, I'm just, pipe's going to be fun the first, it's going to be big the first day and then it's going to, it? it's going to slide down a little bit for Sunday and then it'll still be like six foot through Monday and Tuesday. And then there's another big bump, I think the following Thursday. So there's plenty of swell on the way and um, it looks like it's got both directions. So we'll probably see lefts and rights. Why didn't the Eddie run? We had a YMA as well. That is a great question. I was thinking that same thing. Cause I watched it and it was almost, there was some almost closeout sets. Like it was legit. It, it, it was, I, I checked I their, if, I checked their Instagram. I checked their website, no comment whatsoever. Which sort of speaks to what you were saying about a month ago when we spoke about this, like total bummer. That's about all you're going to get is, Hey, we're having it opening ceremonies. And then exactly. You got to be um, on, you got to be fluid. Yeah. Well, so my must-see moment, there's a lot of them from this past week. I'm just going to say Mason Ho's vlog, where he covers the Dahui backdoor shootout. Um, it's a 15-minute episode. His team, actually, he won the event, and then his team snapped for one, the team uh, portion. And he kind of gives you a behind-the-scenes look, covers a lot of the surfboards ridden. I mean, he had Baron Mamiya on his team. There's a one-foot, four-inch difference between the boards that he and Baron are riding. Baron's riding a 6'2", and uh, Mason's riding a 7'6". So I, I loved that episode. I love everything. I mean, everything he puts out, I love. But this was a particularly insightful one. My Duke is Carissa Moore for winning, like I said, a full sweep at the Vans Triple Crown, winning each individual thing event and then winning the overall i think she took home sixty-seven thousand dollars in total prize <laughs> money for her efforts there which are just is just epic so congrats carissa 
That's cool. How much do you think she makes every year? Million bucks. Okay. That's my my, I have two kooks, yeah. and I'm not sure who actually deserves it more. Uh, the WSL for not putting Mason into the pipe pro. I think Mason earned it. There was a big hashtag yeah. push, put Mason, yeah. put Mason yeah. in or something like that. And so it's disappointing yeah. to not have Mason in, but whatever, they have rules. They stick to the rules. Uh, also, my second kook is Kelly Slater for Ooh. burning Kalani oh. Ball at back door. This Kalani was on. Davis. Oh, was it Kalani David? That's what I thought it was. Oh, I thought it was Kalani Ball. Well, at any oh, maybe rate, I'm wrong. Yeah. Kalani, one of the Kalanis, gets a <laughs> sick wave at back door, pulls in, and the goat himself burns him without even looking back. The Kalani yeah. eats it in the barrel. I thought he had a chance to make it, but he doesn't quite make it. And the goat gets a pocket ride, doesn't even get fully barreled, comes out, <laughs> doesn't even realize that Kalani was behind him the entire time, does a cutback, doesn't even realize it, and gets called out on Instagram. This was originally posted on Tracks Mag's Insta. Kelly commented, and they pinned it to the top, and Kelly said, complete kook move. I am sorry. I didn't even look back. I didn't even know he was there. Full apologies. Fully accept the blame. My fault. Which is cool. I'm glad that Kelly apologized, but when you show up with the dad bod, you're not even looking at back door. I see way too much complacency here. Risky pick, risky pick. I sense complete sincerity in, in that whole deal. And I absolutely give Kelly Slater a pass here. And it's unfortunate, but it happens. It happens. And he, he was cool about it. He did the right thing. He was cool about it. Hey, I would like to be the guy who got burned. Right, I know. What an incredible story to tell. Totally, totally. Right. Be like, it was weird. I saw these love handles drop in right in front of me. <laughs> it's way better than I, I had dinner with him a long time ago and watched him eat a salad. <laughs> Man, okay, we well, wait look. for the whole episode to get that exciting anecdote. <laughs> Until next time, David. Adios and aloha.
did it and 